You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Ready to Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for having me on board with you today. We're moving to a Thursday format, kind of coming off the Saturdays. I think it's a little better, frees up my Saturday mornings, and of course, I feel a little more ambitious during the week, so I figure this is a good format. Thursdays for Brave the Wild, Fridays for Timberwolves Explosion, and hopefully Sunday nights for Purple Mafia, but of course, those shows are... (laughs) Sporadic as well, with the Vikings playing a lot of night games, but uh, that kind of is what it is. Thank you for checking those out, some of you that have. The title of this episode is Reverse Psychology, and why is that? Well, because the Wild basically went backwards in both of these games. Going down two goals to Winnipeg, you come back and win, and going up two goals against Arizona and finding a way to lose. Utterly ridiculous. At the end of the day... You know what? It's pre- it's becoming more and more predictable. The Wild do these furious rallies, as Judd Zolgad would say on AM 1500. Not that he's a huge shout-out for me or anything, but eh, I like the guy, and I like how what he has to say about the Wild usually. He comes off as negative, but, well, he comes off as honest, too, because I'm realizing and understanding why some of the numbers might be down for this show, and it, it's, it's a bummer. I hope it's not because I'm just the worst podcast ever. I don't think I am. I, I, I really don't. I think this is a very enjoyable Minnesota Wild show, and being able to get into the prospects as well, I think it really gives you a broad picture of the state of the Minnesota Wild on every show, and that's what I try to do, and also give us hope in the long term of uh, certain players coming up and saving this franchise one day. That would be great. But the problem is, this Minnesota Wild team, it's literally like a script every single year. I mean, where where do we begin? Should we start with a drum roll of some sorts? Well, so things kind of start off with Minnesota Wild, well, Devin Dubnik starts off spectacularly good, right? He usually starts off really good, everything's going great, and then, okay, you know, we, we have a nice backup who who can hang in there, but oh, he's not playing so well right now. Then the backup starts playing a little better, Dubnik starts dropping off a little bit, and it's like he's getting tired. And then you, you, you come off this great start, and then you start struggling a little bit, but then you just keep playing Devin Dubnik. Well, he's tired, but we're just going to keep playing him anyway, regardless who's the coach, regardless who's the GM, regardless... Who's the backup goalie? And it just continues to happen every single year. Dubnik goes through his streaks, and the Wild continue to ride him out, despite the fact Alex Daylock is playing significantly better of late. Now, of course, we'll get into the reverse psychology of the two games, but let's look at the let's look at the situation with the Minnesota Wild goaltenders. Devin Dubnik in the first month, well, he was uh, spectacular. That's of course the month of October, and it was nice to see how things went with him <laughs> in a big way, starting things out the month of October with. 
Well, the goals against average of 2.19, save percentage almost 94. That's pretty damn good. 5-2 and two record in 9 games. And then 9 games in November, you go down to, well, 4-4. Four and four. Goals against average 2.95, save percentage 88.5. Ah, uh, that's great. No shutouts on the year, which is kind of interesting, but that's just how that goes. It's a trend every single year. And every single time Dubnik starts to drop off a little bit, they don't, I mean, they don't waver one bit. They just let... I mean, they just let Dubnik stay in there and struggle and get kind of mentally fried a bit. And Dubnik is stubborn enough to never want to sit down. And then you have Alex Dalek stepping up and looking how good he's been. Obviously, he started out the season awful and everything. Save percentage about what Dubnik's has been in November <laughs> in, in the in the upper 80s. Goals against average 3.3. Though, I mean, some of the teams he was stuck to go, uh, forced to go up against. And, of course, he was on the, the bad end of a back-to-back back back, back where you had players with uh, tired legs, this and that. But in the month of November, including one game where Dubnik was pulled against the wonderful Ottawa Senators, it's an awful game there, goals against average 1.62, save percentage about 94. So there you go. I mean, it's, again, I'm not expecting the Wild to hand over the starting reins to Alex Stalock, but I am expecting the Wild to, you know, you got to give Alex Stalock more time between the pipes, and you got to give Dubnik less time between the pipes, not because Dubnik sucks, but because... This happens every freaking year. It's the same old story every freaking year. You're stuck with the same guys, Suter and Parisi. And you know what? They're playing awesome this year. I mean, let's be fair about that. They're playing awesome this year, but at the same time, especially with, you know, Suter coming back from the injury he's had. But again, we all can go on and on about how Suter is about the most high-maintenance player on that team. And, and I got to say, he probably is for multiple reasons. Again, he's close to the owner, and he was close to the owner when they were in Nashville together as well. And do not be surprised if Suter had a huge hand in the firings of uh, both Mike Yo and Chuck Fletcher. I would not be surprised one bit. Funny, the guy writes you a $99 million check, and you turn on him later on in, in time. The old confidants, as uh, Michael Russo would say, I got to think Ryan Suter is one of the confidants. And, boy, he looked really sad when uh, Mike Yo was fired. And he looked just, he looked really, really enthusiastic about uh, John Torchetti getting hired as well. Um, that was, uh, yeah, you could just totally feel the enthusiasm from Suter. So, I have a little beef with the guy over the years. As good as he is, as wonderful as he is, and losing him is like the worst thing ever. And we all know 19 points in his 24 games so far. He's been spectacular point producer. But the high-maintenance side of Ryan Suter, again, almost like a dictator in terms of his minutes, a dictator in terms of how things are operated. I mean, he's just he's too close to the owner, and it kind of scares people a little bit. He, he's a little LeBron James-like, I think, at times. And, of course, ultimately, who the guy pairs with. And you could kind of blame some of the, the lapses on what's going on here. Ryan Suter's desire to not play with uh, Matt Dumba and to play with Jared Spurgeon. To play with his nookie blankie, so to speak. Uh, Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon, nice duo, but for some reason, beyond my understanding, beyond anybody else's understanding, Dumba and Brodeen, it just doesn't work. And my God, did it not, did it look bad against the Arizona Coyotes? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Brodeen just looked like a guy who's completely lost. And, and this is a guy who's a stalwart defenseman most of the time, but he looked like a moron against Arizona. Dumba looks like a moron most of the time defensively, but he's a spectacular offensive player. And we all know about the dumb bomb and then the shot that could break somebody's wrist in a heartbeat. And again, he's second on the team in goals, tied with Granlin and only one behind Parisi, who's, you know, been wonderful up by the net, kind of poking in goals at the last second, bouncing pucks, this and that. Parisi with 11 goals. He has just been a wonderful renaissance for the Minnesota Wild this year. 
But again, you're stuck with their contracts, Breezy and Suter, forever. And we talk about that all the time. And I got to think again, that's why there's going to be some malaise regarding this team. That's why there's a, people have a hard time. Uh, this, occasionally, they, they have a hard time selling out games. And then you have, again, shows like mine that I love doing very much. And the numbers are not what they were. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's because of the malaise and because you're just seeing a lot of the same stuff again. You're seeing guys play well, and it's great, and you feel fantastic about it, but then you're seeing all the same trends again. Suter playing too much, Suter demanding who he's going to play with, and losing to the bleeping Arizona Coyotes. You're seeing the team make a nice comeback <laughs> because of this whole reverse psychology situation. The two-goal lead's the most dangerous lead in hockey. Well, I guess, because it bit Winnipeg against Minnesota and it bit Minnesota against Arizona. But occasionally, just hang on to the bleeping lead, especially against the Arizona Coyotes. Ridiculous. Just effing ridiculous. I couldn't stand it. Let's get to the Winnipeg game before I drag this out any longer. 23rd November, happy Black Friday, I suppose. But I do have a nice new TV for just over 300 bucks. Pretty amazing deal. And I needed an upgrade, and I got the upgrade. And, of course, I get to use the Christmas money on it. That's that's basically my plan. Don't buy me anything. Just just give cash, and that's it, you know. <laughs> to the to my to, to my confidant, so to speak, <laughs> and then that's easy, you know, easy to cover that. So three hundred isn't is not much for a four K TV. So feeling good, and of course, being a Samsung, that helps. And it's going to be great to watch uh, Wild Games on this TV. Nice upgrade again. But let's move forward. Minnesota ultimately winning four to two, but it certainly didn't feel that way. The one thing though, coming into this game versus the Arizona game, the Arizona game, boy, but that but I think it's on both sides. The energy. Both sides, particularly in the first two periods. What the hell? Just Arizona sucked that hard that the Wild were up by two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Winnipeg and, and Minnesota, this was a good hockey game. And Minnesota getting shots on goal, multiple opportunities, and Stalock made some spectacular saves. Some really tough situations. He was able to show that that quickness and all that. And, of course, he has to have more quickness because he's not as big as Dubnik. But then again, Dubnik is slower because of his size. So it's an interesting strategy you have there. They're going to just completely different goalies, Stalock and Dubnik, because of their size and their skill, this and that. Stalock looks awfully athletic because of that, but he has to be. He has to be quick. Otherwise, he's going to get beat every time. Stalock ultimately did get beat by Patrick Liney and Nikolaj Wol- uh, Ellers in, in the game at the end of the day. Winnipeg was up 2 nothing Again, the power play for Ayers uh, and Ellers, pardon me. Patrick Laine, one of their best players in Winnipeg, one of many good players for that Winnipeg Jets team. But Stalock kept the Wild in it. He, he faced a lot of shots. The Wild, though, started shooting more and more. The Wild started becoming more and more aggressive. So many good chances that were ultimately stopped time and time again by Hellebuck. But the Wild just kept battling and kept battling and kept getting the puck on net. And then Niederreiter with just just kind of just sliding the puck on net and managed to get by Hellebuck, and that changed everything. Stalock's nice puck handling ended up getting uh, his second assist of the year on the Niederreiter goal. Niederreiter just kind of skating towards the puck, kind of a Eric Stahl type of goal, you could say. Kind of just easing the puck towards the net, but not really getting much mustard on it, yet still got past Hellebuck, and that was a huge confidence booster for Niederreiter, who played significantly better the rest of the game, which doesn't say much about the Arizona game. In fact, I not many people played well in that Arizona game, I'd have to say. Eric Fear also, who had an awesome game against the Winnipeg Jets and a pretty awful game against Arizona. It's just ridiculous how things can change this quickly. Eric Fear finishing off a Dumba shot and a uh, Dumba shot that ultimately was bouncing to Niederreiter, who ended up kind of slinging it 
towards the net a little bit, and then Eric Fair was able to finish on that one. Ended up tying the game. Eric Stahl, oh, just the feeling, the emotion on this goal was just the most wonderful thing ever. Like, oh my God, we are going to win this game. Eric Stahl getting the rebound off of a juicy, dumb bomb shot. <laughs> Beautiful. Eric Stahl able to finish on that one, and the emotion on the guy's face and the excitement in that building. I mean, the Wild going up 3-2, to two, with two and a half minutes remaining, it was the greatest feeling ever. And oh my God, we're going to beat the Jets. Zach Parise was able to finish off from uh, from Jaron Spurgeon's pass, moving the puck forward, basically. Again, Suter and Spurgeon playing together there. Parise getting his 10th goal of the year in the month of November. So that's pretty cool. It's been a long time since Parise had 10 goals uh, by the month of November. So that's pretty cool. Uh, as, as early as the month of November, I should say. Where last year, he didn't even play until Christmas. So... <laughs> until around Christmas time, so pretty cool to see Zach Parisi playing as well as he is. Uh, and again, it's just an empty netter, but hey, it finished the game off. You better score on that empty netter because we all know what can happen. Because there was a minute left in the game, and we've seen the Wild lose in those situations with the extra man, and you know, giving up that goal and then losing in overtime, which probably would have happened if that took place because the momentum would have swung completely. Winnipeg extremely frustrated with the loss. Minnesota feeling like a million bucks. And then, oh, okay, we got a couple of days off, and then here comes Arizona. We're feeling great. No, not a good game. Uh, <laughs> a boring game all the way. 27th, Tuesday, the 27th of November. This game was boring right out of the get-go. The Minnesota Wild led in shots, but they just, it didn't seem like much, really much energy was on either team in the first two periods. Cruz, Lawson, Cruz, uh, Cruz, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then you get somebody called Josh Archibald. I mean, I okay. You know what I mean? He had three points in the game. Um, Lawson Cruz, great. I'm happy for him that he scored and all that. Early on, great for him, I guess. But then luckily, Charlie Coyle off a tape-to-tape pass from Miko Cueva Beauty there, tying the game up pretty quickly. So it's like, damn, we were down one nothing to Arizona. But okay, now, now we're okay because Coyle finally got his fourth bleeping goal of the season. See, that's the other side of the spectrum there with Parisi having his 10th goal already near the end of November. Coyle's only got four, and that's Coyle. Again, that's again the same old story. The goalie's in too long, and he kind of drops off, and the Wild end up losing in the first round of the playoffs because Dubnik's not up to it, even though Dubnik was good last year. But then everyone else kind of stopped playing. Like, Koivu wasn't good in, in the playoffs for the most part. Parisi got hurt. That was a bummer. Obviously, there was no suitor. That didn't help. Zucker completely vanished. Stahl completely vanished. You can go on and on and on. All the guys that made, you know, spectacular moments for the Minnesota Wild during the whole season last year did nothing against the Winnipeg Jets. It's just a script, and then you end up losing games like this every Mickey frickin' year. And I know you're going to have a bad game, but this was a bullshit game. This was a bullshit game. Uh, Suter, or excuse me, Dumba and Brodine looked like morons in every one of the goals that would come up. But then again, the Wild would take a 3-1 to lead, as mentioned. Zucker from far away made Antti Ranta look like crap. Uh, Parisi was able to tip in a, uh, a shot from Dumba again. Dumba, that's the whole thing with Dumba's dumb bomb. He gets assists off of that because of his shot. Not because of his passing, but because of his shot. And that helps. Again, getting those juicy rebounds because they're too hard to handle. Parisi ultimately finishing with his 11th goal of the season on a bouncing puck. Just barely nicked the thing into the net, and that felt great. Antti Ranta, again, looked like an, looked like crap against Zucker's shot. Zucker was far away. When you think Zucker scored, you thought, okay, it's some kind of a breakaway or some kind of a nifty move or a good pass from uh, Granlund. You know how those guys kind of get those little one-timers going. But this one was far away. It was not a good goal. 
was given up by empty Ranta. It's a good shot and everything. It was accurate and it was placed well by Zucker. Again, only his seventh goal of the year, which is extremely disappointing after that nice uh, lucrative contract that was given to him in the offseason. Only seven goals on the year. But, well, at least he got his seventh against a team that was from his part of the country, the southwest there, Arizona. He grew up in Las Vegas and, of course, originally born in California. He's from the southwest area. So cool to see him score against, uh, you know, teams that he grew up with, basically. In that in that uh, region of the country, felt good going into the you know, three to one lead. We weren't playing that great, but then again, I mean the numbers in this game told you there's no reason in flying hell the Minnesota Wild would lose this game, right? There's no reason in hell the Wild would lose this game. Oh, but a two goal lead's the most dangerous lead in hockey. It sure is. More than halfway through the game, by the way, Arizona had only mustered six shots on net. Of course, one of them went in. That was very early again. Not a very good goal given up to one of the Arizona unknowns. That ought to be their new nickname because Clayton Keller isn't doing crap. And, well, Galagasi, there we go. There's a familiar name. <sighs> Grabner, oh, Lord. Josh Archibald, a couple goals in this game, and neither one of them was a, a, a good moment, especially the, the fourth one. The one that, that, that was just a... That one was laughable, and, and it really was. But Dubnik not sharp throughout the entire game. I mean, it's it's just like, just raise the puck on Dubnik. Who cares? You're going to beat him almost every time. And I guess that's kind of been a tell forever. But uh, sometimes Dubnik is spectacular, this and that, and he's had some great moments. But I think Dubnik needs to sit down a couple games here, and Stalock needs to get, needs to, I mean, ride Stalock's run here. I mean, isn't that how we used to handle things around here a little bit? Like the whole Manny and, and uh, Roly, all that stuff, Dwayne Rollison. I'm not comparing Stalock to Dwayne Rollison or Manny Fernandez, but then again, maybe he's better than Manny Fernandez. He's more stable than that guy, I think. Um, Rollison was awesome. He's more like the Dubnik, I would say. More steady, so to speak. But then again, every goalie's streaky. You go through hot streaks. And I'm not saying have a platoon here, but I am saying Stalock should be starting like 30 games a year rather than like, you know, less. Like 18, it feels like. He needs to be getting more starts. It's really frustrating. Like 30, maybe, yeah, like about 30 other than maybe 20 is probably what it feels like. But more than halfway through the game, the Wild were up by two, 17 shots to six. Arizona only had six shots on that. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, no life out of Arizona. And, of course, Antiranta, as awful as he had been, and he's an okay goalie. I kind of like him, but he looked awful in this game. And then you bring in a guy named who? Aiden Hill. You can bring in a guy named Aiden Hill. You figure, okay, that's it. I mean, goals against average is like three, and he'd maybe been in a couple minutes the entire season, and no one's heard of him. He's basically the third goalie because Mr. Uh, Darcy Kemper's not available. Now, maybe he would have wanted to see Kemper in there. Maybe. <laughs> but Aiden Hill, I mean, I don't know, man. Who's who's Aiden Hill? I have no idea, but the Wild only mustered five shots on Aiden Hill in the third period, and it's just rid- absolutely ridiculous. <sighs> on all three goals... Two by Archibald, one by Grabner. The fourth line was on the ice. Fair, Nita Ryder looked like just, they didn't know what they were doing. Brodeen and Dumba looked completely clueless on the Grabner goal. That was the one that ended up tying the game. They're both of them. Why are both of them behind the net? And then there's nobody in front of anyone in front of the net. There's nobody trying to stop. (laughs) There's nobody trying to raise anyone's stick or anything. They're just kind of standing around, as Arizona announcers mentioned, picking roses when you watch the highlights and the goals and such. Um, Because you have to see it again and again and again. You can't believe what you're watching. I mean, the guys are just standing there. Like, after the goals were scored, you wanted to replay it. 
and replay it. Like I had to replay it on the application after watching the game, this and that. You just can't believe it. A guy's literally just standing around. And again, both defensive end behind the net. What's going on here? Why aren't you bodying somebody and raising their stick, knocking the puck away, getting the puck out of the zone? But none of that was happening. And the uh, Arizona Coyotes ultimately tie the game. Again, the first Josh Archibald goal, not the best thing ever either. That was frustrating. That was really early in the third period. And you knew we were in trouble there. The second Josh Archibald goal was a laugher. Alex Goligoski just planting behind his own net, just kind of waiting, 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 waiting. You know, when you're going to get a little thing started, okay, we're going to get a possession starter, we're going to try to get the puck past the center line into the zone, blah, 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 and then go from there, maybe dump it in, who knows, and then try to dump and chase this and that, whatever the heck Arizona was going to do there. But no, nobody's even looking at Josh Archibald. They're just He's just skating right past everybody. A perfect pass by Alex Galagasi to prevent any type of a perfect time pass and perfect time play by Josh Archibald to prevent any type of an offside call. Now again, <laughs> the first goal by Archibald, they tried to, uh, the Minnesota Wilds tried to say there was offsides, but that was ultimately not called. So I better mention that. It was not called offsides, and it wasn't offsides, and the Wilds lose a timeout, this and that. Oh, goody. This one obviously was not offsides either. Perfectly timed pass, perfectly timed play by Archibald and Goligoski. Both Dumba and Brodeen looking like complete morons. He went right through them. Josh Archibald went right through them. And they're kind of like, huh, I wonder what that's all about. Oh, no! Perfect pass by Alex Goligoski. Minnesota's own, Minnesota native, blah, blah, blah. And Archibald scores with about... with, With a good amount of time left in the third period. And again, the Wild only mustered five shots on that against Aiden Hill, whoever the heck Aiden Hill is. I mean, I mean Holden Hill, we kind of know who that is on the Vikings, right? Like the fourth cornerback, because we have to play him with the injury to Mike Hughes. <sighs> Aiden Hill, five shots. And Arizona ends up scoring three goals, and you get nothing against Aiden Hill, who was just, you know, just, just, just kind of along for the ride, basically, at this point. Um, whatever, man. Terrible. Reverse psychology. You're trailing against one of the best teams in the league. You come back and win spectacularly. You're winning and playing pretty well. You're not playing well, but you're outplaying a team because they're not even showing up, basically, by two goals, and they find a way to beat you on your home ice. And it's just like, uh, okay. It just kind of leaves you like miffed, shocked. What the flying, you know, F-bomb was that? Can I do this? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do everything, damn it. I can do it, and I will. The uh, Mike Madonna slash Neil Broughton award for this episode is going to be Alex Daylock. That's right, Alex Daylock is getting it because he was wonderful in that against the Winnipeg Jets. He was awesome, just giving up a couple two, uh, couple first period goals and was awesome the whole time against Winnipeg. He was one of the most valuable players out there. It's going to be Alex Daylock. As for and you could say Parisi's honorable mention because he just scores in every game and you know he was he was okay, he was good. You didn't really see him getting embarrassed out there too much. The James Shepard Memorial is going to both Brodeen and Dumba. And you know what? It could go to Suter, too, for causing this mess. Him and his high-maintenance, bullcrap attitude, constantly forcing this and that. And yes, Dumba is just obnoxiously bad defensively uh, sometimes, and more often than he needs to be. And it's costing us games. His offense is so good that it's keeping us in games, and it's it's helping. You know, I mean, he always tends to get, uh, almost every game, he winds up with something. He'll he'll score on the dumb bomb, or he'll wind up with an assist because of the dumb bomb. And he did get an assist in this uh, Arizona game, but he was so 
horrifically bad in this game, as was Jonas Brodin. Both of them are minus four. Horrifically bad in this game that both of them highly, strongly deserve the James Shepard Memorial, and Devin Dubnik has been awful as well. He was awful in this game, but the defense in front of him was worse. Worse. So that's why it's not going to Devin Dubnik, even as, as icky as he was. Koivu, phenomenal in the faceoffs. I mean, i got to mention this. I mean, it, it's like you look at this, you, you, you can't believe what you're looking at. Koivu dominated, dominated, owned Arizona in the faceoff circle. 15-3. to 15 wins, 3 losses. That is a remarkable statistic. You know, it's just the puck possession by the Wild in the first two periods. You thought this game was theirs, and they got lazy, and they screwed around too much. One thing that I should mention, too, before we move on to the second segment. In fact, I, uh, I almost should, should talk about it in the second, but I'll talk about it here and now. The Western Conference is getting pretty tight again, and it's kind of interesting when you look at the standings because guess who's just three, point, three points behind the Wild and only one point out of the playoffs? The team that couldn't score for their life. The team that a lot of people thought was just, you know, and it was playing more like the expansion team we thought they were, the Vegas Golden Knights. They're a plus four now. They're only one game above 500, but they're one point. That's right, one point behind the Winnipeg Jets. But then again, the Winnipeg Jets have three games in hand, though, versus Vegas. So, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. Two points behind Dallas, though. Dallas is the number one wildcard team with 29 points, and they have played 26 games just like Vegas. So Vegas Golden Knights are catching up. Vancouver's going back down to reality. They are completely out of the playoffs already again, which is sad. And Anaheim's kind of back in it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Vegas Golden Knights overtake the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I think they can beat them. Sharks and Flames are the class of the Pacific Division, which so far hasn't been saying a whole lot. Good for the Calgary Flames, though, to be moving up a bit. So... Yeah, I passed out the awards. Let's look at the schedule before we look at the schedule and talk about the upcoming games. Heading into the second segment here. And of course, the Wild play the Columbus Blue Jackets on the 29th. I actually already previewed that game in the last show because just in case I was going to go back to Saturdays. So Minnesota will play Toronto on Saturday. That's interesting. Yep, tonight, of course, against Columbus. Vancouver Canucks on... Tuesday. So it's going to be a similar kind of schedule. Saturday and Tuesday, again, a couple of days off. So that's a road game against the Vancouver Canucks and a road game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not an easy schedule. Minnesota doesn't usually play well in Vancouver for some reason, even though, I don't know. Hopefully the Wild do, because Vancouver's going down the hill big time. And then you get the uh, then you get the Alberta two-step, the Alberta two-step, Calgary and Edmonton. That'll be kind of fun on the road there. Ah, that is next Thursday and Friday. That'll be fun to preview those in Montreal. So Minnesota is in Canada next week. Of course, starting off in Vancouver as well. So yes, all next week and into the week after for a little bit. Playing the Flames a couple times. Uh, the Saturday, the 15th of December. Fun. Those will be interesting tests for the Minnesota Wild. And we'll see how that goes. It's not been pretty though. With that, I'll take a quick break and let's get to segment number two, damn it. <laughs> Segment number two, looking at some previews and, of course, jumping into the prospects and moving on from there. 
Of course, tonight, November the 29th, we wrap up the month of November against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I did preview this on the last show, but I'll kind of briefly go over it again, I suppose, very briefly. Going against uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, who's going to be a free agent in the offseason. And Temi Panarin is one of the top scorers on this club, obviously setting up other players. Cam Atkinson has always found a way to score against the Wild in the past, and he's got 15 goals. Much stronger this year than last year. An awful year last year after a huge year before when he tortured the Wild on New Year's Eve. And uh, Columbus kept their gigantic franchise uh, streak going and ended the Wilds franchise streak. Both teams with completely, completely identical records, 14-8-2. So kind of cool to see these two teams playing well, uh, both be making the playoffs and all that. Second in the Metropolitan Division at this time. They were first a week ago on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Minnesota third place in the Central Division, and it won't be easy. Teams like Nashville, Colorado, and freaking Winnipeg. Winnipeg is, is the wild card. You guys still got Colorado now ahead of Minnesota. Oh, Lord. Um, I don't like the way this team plays against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets have been basically win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. And if the, the uh, pattern continues, the Wild beat the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. I hope so. I doubt it. Somehow I think Columbus is going to win two in a row, but we'll see. So, so far it had been win against Carolina on the 17th, loss, on, loss at Toronto on the uh, 19th. Beating Toronto the same score, 4-2, to two, on the 23rd, many days later. Back-to-back losing to Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, 4-2. to two, Beating Detroit in Detroit, 7-5. to five, And now Minnesota. So hopefully the pattern continues and the Minnesota Wild can beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't like this matchup, though. I don't feel good about it. I do have a feeling the Wild go 2-1 and one this week. And partially I'm trying to stay positive, obviously. Maybe a game like the freaking... Phoenix Coyotes wakes a team up. I want Alex Daylock in net tonight. If Alex Daylock is in net, the Minnesota Wild could win this game. I think if Dubnik's in net, unless he somehow magically is like, bleep this, I'm way better again, the Wild probably don't win the game. I'm picking the uh, <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets to win 4-2, to two, something along those lines, maybe 5-3 to three with an empty netter. It'd be like 3-3, three 4-3. to, three, four to three. Cam Atkinson will score against the Wild because he always does, and he's having a really, 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 really good year. Uh, Nick Foligno will be going against his brother. That'll be fun because Marcus Foligno's playing a lot better this year compared to last. He's, he's, he's uh, found his role, and he's doing a really good job, and he's had some really nice scoring chances the last few weeks here. Um, Marcus Foligno's due for a really good uh, scoring game here. It'd be nice to see it happen one of these days because he deserves it. I like Marcus Foligno, and the Wild do too. But Columbus ultimately wins the game 4-2, to 4-3. to three, More than likely an empty netter, making it a two-point game. I want Alex Daylock in that, but I'm not confident the Wild will go in that direction. Toronto Maple Leafs says the Wild will be playing Canadian teams five games in a row and six out of the next seven, with Florida mixed in between Montreal and Calgary the upcoming week. Toronto Maple Leafs coming to... XL Energy Center, Saturday the 1st of December. Nice way to start out the month of December against Toronto. So much history. I, I love, God, I, I miss when Toronto was in the Norris Division with the Minnesota North Stars. Minnesota North Stars, because yes, this is a this is as much a North Star show as it is a Minnesota Wild show. It's just the fact that the Wild are, or the North Stars aren't active anymore. They're the Dallas Stars, so they don't exist anymore and this and that, but they do exist in our hearts and of course, they do exist on the, they do exist on the shelves. Thankfully, they're still on merchandise shelves and they're showing well everywhere. I've got two hats right over there. That's why you saw me turn around. I've actually got three or four, I think, but two in this room right now. Um, I got three. One of them was, no, four. One of them was a freaking five. Two of them were actually when they became the stars with the North Stars still. They were here, but they had that freaking stars logo. Three of them, though, with the N star. So five North Star hats. 
It's a bit ex- bit excessive. Uh, Frederick Frederick Anderson started out the year not so great. He was actually on my fantasy team, and my stupid ass traded him. Idiot! I feel so stupid. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are an offensive juggernaut. Their power play is fifth in the league. They've scored the seventh most. Uh, oh, they've got they've given up the seventh least goals, which is great because Frederick Anderson has really come around. They're second in the league in goals scored. Toronto is what Edmonton wishes they were, and they're tied with the Buffalo Sabres because Buffalo's the best team in the Eastern Conference basically right now. Buffalo, yeah, that is a surprise team. Um, I did pick them to surprise this year. I thought they were turning things around. Um, I didn't pick New Jersey to surprise. I hope I didn't. I did. Yeah, I, I, I was saying Buffalo was going to turn things around and was going to fight for a playoff spot. Like maybe they'd make it as an eighth seed. Maybe they wouldn't. They're going to have home ice in the playoffs. I think at some at some point they may not be the number one team in the East, but they're going to have home ice. They're going to be a top four team in the East this year, and uh, good good for them. It helps having good goaltending. And when your young prospects all at the same time start to kind of come around and start to show what they can do, kind of like the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? They have a lot of uh, nice young talent on this team. And of course, a free agent acquisition of John Tavares, who leads that club in scoring with 17 goals, leads the club in goals anyway. Mitchell Warner is the overall leading scorer with 36, 30 assists on the season. Top line center has been spectacular. Nine power play assists, ten power play assists for Morgan Riley. Austin Matthews has missed a significant amount of time, but when he's been available, he's got Lemieux-like numbers. Jeez, 19 points in only 12 games. Mario Lemieux-type numbers there for Austin Matthews. Not sure about his uh, st- status there, unfortunately. Patrick Merlo, the former San Jose Shark Wiley veteran, whose uh, numbers are higher this year because he's around some really damn good players in Toronto. Uh, Frederick Anderson... 14 and 7, 2.26 goals against average. The Leafs lost to Carolina and Columbus back to back on the road, and then we've won three in a row since. Minnesota will be their next game, so they're going to have quite a few days off after beating the San Jose Sharks, three uh, five to three, six nothing over Philly, who is now the worst team in the East, which is kind of crazy. Toronto beating uh, Boston, four to two. These are all home games, and the San Jose Sharks, the improving, ever improving San Jose Sharks. Shout out to. Chris Stortz out there in Northern California. Uh, I, I could have gone on his show the last uh, last time we played, and I didn't get back to him because I didn't even see the message because I, I was so busy with the lawns and all that, and I didn't even check. And I'm really sorry, Chris Stortz, if you're listening, if you're just happening to listen to Ken Teal Town Podcast, a bunch of uh, a group of guys there working together, making a really, really nice uh, podcast called the Teal Town Podcast again. San Jose Sharks, uh, they do it after every game, post-game and all that, and then they have some uh, regular shows as well. Awesome podcast and uh, highly worth a uh, subscription to you out there. As long as you don't hate the Sharks, which I don't. I don't hate them. They're much more likable than the freaking Blackhawks. Gosh. And most of the other Western Conference teams. <laughs> freaking Kings now piss me off. But then again, they suck so bad they don't piss me off anymore. I love the Kings now. Love them because we can beat them. <laughs> Somehow, some way, we actually beat the Sharks sometimes. But, uh, boy, for a while, the longest time, the Sharks used to chomp the wild. Uh, pun not intended. Interesting situation going on there. Again, also, with Nylander in Toronto, and a lot of people hoping the Wild would muster up the guts to make that trade to get Nylander. Uh, also, you'd probably have to guarantee $8 million a year to him as well in a contract. And I'm not sure the Wild have the cap space to do that. In fact, I know they don't, so you'd have to give up some expensive contracts in order to even get Nylander, maybe you'd have to say bye-bye to Jason Zucker. Boy, I would be kissing the ground, or the ice, whatever it is. I would gladly kiss frozen, freezing cold ice if we traded Nito Niederreiter away. Hey, he played well. He he put the puck on that, and it went past uh, 
Bavrovsky. He scored against Sergei Bavrovsky. So come on, come on, Toronto. You want you you want Nita Ryder, man? Take on that five point two five million dollar contract. Take on, take it on. Come on, five point twenty five point two five a year. Only four years remaining. Come on, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, right. But that's basically what you'd have to do. Get get rid of some serious cap, some serious dead cap, basically, which is what Nita Ryder's been the last year or so. Extremely frustrating. But, um, oh boy, I, I don't know. Maybe the Wilds somehow beat Columbus and then lose to Toronto. I, I don't know. This Toronto team is great. Um, they haven't played well on the road, though. That's the one hope, and the Minnesota Wild home record is really good. So I guess I'm going to have the Wild losing to Columbus and having a wonderful, fun game against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm sure Devin Dubnik will be a net for this one. Maybe, yeah, sit him. Please sit him against Columbus. Have him come back and have a nice, inspired effort against Frederick Anderson and the and Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a tough freaking game. Garrett Sparks is their backup goalie, and he's not bad either. He's got Stalock-ish kind of numbers. 2.57 goals against average, 4-1 and one on the year. Both uh, Sparks and Anderson have shutouts on the year. Uh, Anderson is 93%. Sparks is 92-ish. Somehow, some way, I think the furious rallies, as, as uh, Judd Zolgad calls them, somehow win this game three to two, something along those lines. And I think the most likely got to score for Minnesota in this game. Let's go with Granlin. I have a feeling Granlin's going to score against the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, help help us feel a little bit better. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna yeah yeah let's do that. Uh, Granlin's going to find the, the net against the Toronto Maple Leafs and Minnesota has an inspired effort to win. 3-2 to two over the Toronto Maple Leafs. A shocking game. Devin Dubnik is lights out. He stops 38-40 to 40 shots in the game. Yeah, 38 of 40 shots and wins the game. The Wild put on about 35 or something on Anderson and managed to get three past him and win the game. Guys like Parisi and Granlin, I think, are going to score in the game. Let's move on. The Vancouver Canucks, after another couple days off, after an inspired effort against the Toronto Maple Leafs, is this yet another trap game against a team that's not playing well on the 4th of December? The Vancouver Canucks... Yes, it's another trap game. It is. Um, but I think Vancouver's playing so awful right now, the Minnesota need, that Minnesota needs to win the game. Um, the Vancouver Canucks won out of their last five. They lost to Winnipeg 6-3, Anaheim 4-3. San Jose shut out by Adam Jones there. 4-2 um, to to win over Los Angeles because everybody beats LA. And then they lost a couple of days later to Los Angeles, 2-1 to one, against uh, Budai there. Budai, whew, geez, that's like their third goalie now, Campbell, and of course, that quick out forever, basically, with knee injuries, that's crappy, uh, Vancouver has to play Vegas, which I think they'll lose, and Dallas, maybe they'll win that one, and then save that, uh, they'll use all their effort up on the, uh, in that game, and then they'll play Minnesota, we'll see what happens there, uh, Brock Besser, again, is, is back, he has missed some games, but he's played a couple games recently, uh, been a little better, 11 points on the year in the 14 games he's played, Brock Besser, unfortunately. Louis Erickson has gotten silent, so a little bit of uh, Jason Pominville syndrome. Great start to the season and nothing much after that. Bo Horvat, though, continues to be the MVP of that team, even though uh, Elias Pettersson has been pretty damn good as well with his 13 goals and 21 total points. He's on pace for 82 points on the year. Pettersson has missed a significant amount of time, but has been extremely efficient when he's been out there. Uh, Bo Horvat, kind of the overall MVP of the team this year, I'd have to say. A young and improving player as well. 22 points for him. Jacob Markstrom is 500 on the year. Goals against average is awful. I mean, he's been terrible. Uh, about the same as uh, Aiden Hill so far. And, of course, no shutouts for anybody. Anders Nielsen's not been good. Richard Bachman went out there and got shelled. in a full. He played a full game and gave up six goals. 
so yep <laughs> that was a tough night for him against minnesota wild that was us actually <laughs> not sure where to go with that one uh jacob markstrom i hope he doesn't have one of his and i'm sorry for snapping my lips so much i hope that uh jacob markstrom doesn't have one of his good games against minnesota he's been awful lately for me there's no excuse minnesota needs to win this hockey game and they will four to two victory for minnesota most likely got a score in this one we'll go with uh we're going to go with Zucker. He's going to score against the Vancouver Canucks. Minnesota's got to win this thing 4-2. to they got to get on this team early and often. If you're going to be serious and, you know, maybe hopefully prove, prove us wrong that this isn't the same old story. But if it is the same old story, the Wild find a way to lose a game like this on the road. A trap game with a team that's not been playing well after an awesome start to the season. They've been playing awful. There's no excuse. Minnesota needs to win this 4-2. to I, I will pick they will just to be on the safe side. I think the Wild win this game, and they should. Odds are they should, even though Minnesota Wild odds are it's 50-50 the way they play against these yucky teams. But with that, again, a 2-1-1 week and hopefully uh, heading in the right direction some more here for Minnesota. As we need it in the worst way at this point. Uh, after a couple of yucky games, Minnesota comes out with 34 points and hopefully gains some ground on Colorado. But I don't know, they're 15-6 and six and Nashville's... 15-7, and seven, and they're the two best teams in the Western Conference with a bullet right now, Colorado and Nashville. Colorado is 25-plus. That's best in the league. 22-plus uh, for Nashville, and Buffalo is up. Oh, nope, 26-plus for Toronto. They're best in the league, So, and I'm picking us to beat them. <laughs> Both of them, Buffalo and Toronto, with 36 points as well. Insane when you look at that. Tampa Bay Lightning, one point behind Toronto and Buffalo. They're in third place in that Atlantic division. You look at the Metropolitan Division, you think it's all that with Columbus, Washington, and, and uh, Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh stinks so far this year, which is good. I'm happy about that. And then you go to the Atlantic Division, and you're just blown away. I mean, before, you thought about teams like, uh, you know, Ottawa and such, like, who cares? They suck. You know, those are the, those are like your division leaders a couple of years ago. Now you got Buffalo, Toronto, and Tampa. Jeez. Jeez. You can actually say Buffalo's good, and they are. So, interesting. With that, let's Take a look at the prospects. And let's dive right into the Iowa Wild. They haven't been playing as good of late. Luckily, not as uh, bad either, you could say. And again, yep, not playing so well of late. Cal O'Reilly, 21 points on the season. Mason Shaw, 16, 13 assists. He's definitely been keeping guys <laughs> keeping guys uh, active out there. But generally speaking, Iowa's been losing a couple games of late. Kapokokkan and showing he's mortal, but still, goals against average, just dazzling. 1.35, lost in the extra period again, unfortunately for him. He's got a couple of extra period losses and then a regulation loss. Still the three shutouts on the year, though. Again, a dazzling 1.35 goals against average. Last week, Gabo Kalkinen actually was the backup goalie with Alex Dalek in that because Devin Dubnik was hurt and Andrew Hammond was hurt. CJ Motte from uh, the <laughs> Allen Americans again. He was he was with the Minnesota Wilds uh, affiliate the last couple of years as well with the uh, Quad City Mallards and the Rapid City rushed the last year. CJ Motte up there though and gave up four goals in a loss to uh, in a loss in in a, in the in a game last week. Luke Cunning's gotten quiet and unfortunately it's pretty much been all minor leaguers scoring. Uh Dmitry Sokolov added his sixth assist recently, which is nice, but that's about it. Uh Sam Honest hasn't been scoring. Kyle Rao, he had a good game late in the week. He's at 15 points, third on the team overall in scoring. But generally speaking, it's been the minor leaguers that have been doing the scoring lately, which is a little frustrating. Belpedio, I believe, did add an assist the past week again. Uh, he's at six points total in the 20 games, but again, his defense has been the story. 
more than his offense. And he's a plus six for Iowa, so that's great. Uh, Brennan Menel, young, 21-year-old Woodbury native, undrafted. Brennan Menel is a plus 10. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Second on the team. So Brennan Menel really showing something, and I think he will skate for Minnesota one day, and he'll be a wonderful story. I think both him and Belpedio hopefully will skate for the Wild at some point. The unfortunate part is both of them are short right-shot defensemen, so... They're similar that way. Um, Belpedio's got the uh, pet, got got a little more pedigree, <clears throat> but both of them again playing great for Iowa so far this year. Mental slightly ahead, even though he's missed five games on this season. Nothing really notable so far for Ottawa though, or in the past week. Again, it's mostly been minor leaguers scoring. So unfortunately, the major prospects have not factored as much other than Kapokokkanen's goals against average continuing to be good, but he's. Had a couple of uh, overtime losses, unfortunately for him. Let's look, let's do Sam Hench's watch. Yep, 10 games. He's stuck at 6 points. So again, that strong start hasn't uh, led to much since then. Jack, McGa- Jack McBain, the third-round pick this past year, only stuck at 2 points in the 7 games. Again, he missed a couple of weeks to start out the season, unfortunately. <clears throat> Kovanov watch. As we look at the prospects some more, 32 points for him. He's got 15 goals. For the Moncut Wildcats, uh, Nick Swaney with Duluth, nine points on the season. Again, adding one more. He added another assist this past week, so nine points on the season in his junior, or excuse me, sophomore year for Duluth. Seventh round pick. I love these seventh round picks. Oh, I do. <laughs> Can you tell, right? Uh, Jack Sadik and the Gophers had a frustrating week, but he's at five points on the year. So hey, he's already more than halfway towards his whole total points last year. Only 11 games for Jack Sadik, the senior and future Iowa Wild right-shot defenseman again, as he's on the top pairing. But again, nothing. He doesn't stand out all that much. Physical, bulky defenseman for Michigan. Nick Boca has had four assists on the season, so he had nothing for the longest time, but had a big couple of weeks here for the University of Michigan. Nick Boca. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he found his way to Minnesota. He's got a little sealer in him, but he's not as big as Nick Sealer, but still a bit of a factor. Uh, Brandon Graham, very quiet. He's, he's actually been scoring goals this year, which is crazy. He's got more goals than assists, where in the past it's been all assists. More of a uh, Jordan Greenway type in college for the junior of Providence. Brandon Graham from Parkland, Florida. Eight points in his 13 games. Again, five of them goals. So solid, solid season for him, but nobody's really getting you all that excited. Jacob Golden never hardly ever scores. He's a stay-at-home defenseman for the London Knights, the London Knights of the OHL. I'm just messing around. Six points, one of them goals so far for them in the 21 games he's been in the OHL. Let's look at Ivan Ladnia. He's one of the top guys. In fact, he is our top guy in the OHL this year. <clears throat> this last year, the last couple of years, it was Dmitry Sokolov. Now, well, he's got a point a game, seven goals in the year, a point a game so far, 23 overall points for Ivan Lodnia, more of a more of a playmaker type as well. As the Wild, basically, they're filled with playmaker types. It's just, this guy's a playmaker, 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 playmaker. There's so few guys that are natural goal scorers. The only one is, again, Kirill Koprizov, and it is what it is. I got to mention this as well. When I was talking about the Vegas Golden Knights kind of turning things around and getting better, well, one of the main reasons the Vegas Golden Knights are a lot better than they were earlier this year is because a guy's at over a point a game, a, fam- a familiar name. And no, it's not Eric Halla who's got a lower body injury, and he's month to month. He was pulled off on a stretcher a couple weeks back, and that was unfortunate. I didn't even mention it on the show because I have so much other stuff to talk about. But uh, a guy named Alex Tuck, who had 37 points last year, okay, he was all right. You know, that's nothing great, 15 goals. You know, but, you know, a factor, right? Well, this year, in the 18 games he's been able to play, he's missed a few, 
19 points, 8 goals, 11 assists. Alex Tuck, a major reason why the uh, Vegas Golden Knights are actually scoring again because they weren't scoring crap. Remember, like, you had Ryan Reeves with like 4 goals and he was like the leading goal scorer on the team. Ryan Reeves is having a pretty good year offensively. For his standards, he's having a, a spectacular year. He's Mario Lemieux, basically, for <laughs> compared to himself in the past. But uh, yeah, Alex Tuck has been uh, extremely good for the Vegas Golden Knights, so now he's starting to look more and more like a loss. Ironically, though, Matt Dumba is only one point behind, and of course, he's the defenseman, so shows you what a valuable offensive weapon Matt Dumba is. You just wish his defense is a little better. Uh, Tuck, though, having a very, very good month of November in the Vegas Golden Knights, turning things around a bit, so good for them. With that, I think we can just about wrap up the show. In fact, we will uh, want to encourage you to follow the Twitter account at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild to give that a follow. want to thank Vince Germano for retweeting the most recent show. Always appreciate you out of Australia for that. And then on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Do give that a like. Join it and comment on there. Would appreciate some more interaction because I know you guys are out there. Appreciate a little more of that. Um, I get some likes here and there, but I don't get any comments. That's the frustrating part. So it's been a bit quiet. You can also join the show with the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Imagine you're calling in for Brave the Wild and do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. There's also the call now button on the Facebook page. It does the same thing through Facebook Messenger. goes to the same phone line, same whole thing. It's a three-minute limit, by the way, because it is a voicemail. So the unlimited route, though, is the audio submission route, which you use the free voice recording application on any smart device on the planet. Just use that, save it, send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com, and there it is. I can uh, convert it into an MP3 file if necessary, which is very easy to do thanks to Zamzar.com, which I'm happy to plug even though, (laughs) I I mean, because of what they provide. It's wonderful. So it's a wonderful website. So highly recommended if you're a podcaster looking to uh, convert an MP3 file quickly from a phone call or something. So very, very valuable. Please do rate Brave the Wild on iTunes if you could. That would be very, very uh, right, a positive rating if you could. It would be very, very much appreciated. I'll give you a shout-out and a thank you on air, uh, unless you don't want me to. But uh, I, I would hope you, you wouldn't mind me doing that. So, again, please tell your friends about the show. Greatly appreciate it if you want to help. That's the best way to do it. So, again, God bless, and hopefully the Minnesota Wild can get a little more consistent. Hopefully we're not on a strip. Let's get off this strip. Let's break this uh, Let's break this pendulum we've been on forever. So it's time to kind of start moving in the right direction. Uh, long term. But again, we'll just have to wait and see if that's for real. And this upcoming week will be a nice little test. 